Eins, zwei, drei. Eins, zwei, drei. Okay, ich mache mich noch ein bisschen lauter. Test, test. Gut. Three, two, one. <lacht> Und das war auch ein guter Klatsch. <lacht> well done. <lacht> Did you get that? I'm so also, ich verstehe nur Bahnhof. You only understand train station? It's all Greek to me. Understanding train station. Living between cultures with Josh and Phelan. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back. We're in the old setting. I was going to say, for those of you who are on YouTube yep. or listening on YouTube, you actually see that we are in person together now. Yeah, back in Cincinnati, because <laughs> like, I think last time we posted something in person was in Munich. Yeah. And uh -huh. now we're back in Cincinnati because you are visiting for Easter. Exactly. Which was yesterday. Yes. Um, I'm still a little jet lagged, so oh, you yeah. guys are going to have to be patient with me today, but... Yeah, so Easter was yesterday, so I came back for Easter, spent time with some family, and just I'm here for the week, and then up nach München. <laughs> back to Munich. <laughs> back to Munich. Yeah, and so, of course, we're, we have to use the time to record a few podcast episodes, yes. um, and we're back in the old setting. We have the mason jars. Well, one mason jar. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't again. have a mason jar You don't jar have right a mason now. jar, but I think that's what it was usually like. It was one regular water glass mm. and then one mason jar. For those of you who are totally lost right now and have no clue what I'm talking about, some people complained in the past that or not complained but Just like commented. we're wondering in the past why one of us always used a mason jar so einmachglas in german mm -hmm. as a water glass but it's and people ask if it's like a specific An American thing yeah american or thing or german thing. thing but no i think it's just a young person thing <laughs> yeah it's like a hipster kind of thing <laughs> either hipster or just poor person <laughs> <laughs> one of the two one yeah. of the two <laughs> when when you don't have any other real i feel like it's typical for like college houses yeah. or like biggies that you just kind of have a mishmash of of glasses and you just drink out of whatever you can. Yeah, but these that we have here actually those are like bought yeah, yeah, jars that you, you can buy them as glasses. Yeah, and you even buy them like with a lid with a straw as like a to-go mm -hmm. cup. So these are made for drinking. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't make that up. But anyway, <laughs> not the topic of the day. Nope, not really. Um so yeah, what is the topic of the day? So I was going to try to come up with some witty, uh, <laughs> witty transition, but it's not going to work. So the topic of the day is German culture in the U.S. or kind of like fake German culture mm -hmm. or our experiences with quote unquote German things yeah. in the U.S. And are they authentic? Are they not? And how do they differ? Yeah, things like, you know, pretzels or Oktoberfest or... Or like Tracht, like just like Lederhosen mm -hmm. and just kind of the t stereotypical images that Americans have of Germans and are they true or not and how, right. yeah, how, how, for us, it's really funny, I think, to see a lot of those things. For me, especially growing up, like that was from like German for me. Yeah, right. So you and thought it was authentic. Side, yeah. yeah. And then the flip side, like, oh, wait, that's not authentic at all. <laughs> or some things are pretty, pretty close. Yeah. And then for me, it's like I come here and people think, oh, my God, you must love this place or this festival mm -hmm. or this food. And I'm just like... Um, are they serious? Because sometimes I really didn't know if they actually thought that this is super authentic and this really makes me feel like home mm -hmm. or if they were joking. And so like in most cases, no, unfortunately, it doesn't make me feel like home fully. I mean, it kind of it's in a lot of cases, it's kind of a how do you say like a little taste of home yeah. in a very exaggerated way. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know how it's been for you, Feli, but sometimes when I experience like American things in Germany, or German things in the U.S., it makes me miss the other country more because they're, like, close but not quite there. Wait, so if you see something American, quote-unquote American, in Germany, it makes you miss America? Yeah, like, okay. real hot dogs. So, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for example, like, 
okay, we're close, but we're not quite there. Like, <laughs> let me go back to the U.S. and get a hot dog real so quick. So you'd rather avoid those things in general then, or? I think it depends. Okay. I, I wouldn't say I try to avoid it, but it, I definitely notice after trying to, after experience something that's supposed to be like the same thing or close, mm-hmm. I definitely notice like, oh man, I really miss the real thing more. It doesn't mean that I try to avoid it, but I think the the sensation of missing the other culture, the other yeah. food, for example, is a little stronger in those in those situations. But I think one thing that's cool is like having grown up you in Germany and me in the U.S. with r- relatively little contact with the other country, um, learning a language really opens up the door into learning what the real culture is. Yes, and absolutely. not just the the cultural the perception that your culture has of another culture. Yeah. So I think that would be a good transition into our sponsor, sponsor. for this month, <laughs> Lingoda. Yeah, thanks again to Lingoda for sponsoring our podcast in the next few weeks. Um, for all of you who are trying to improve your German skills or English skills or other language mm-hmm. skills like in Spanish or French, they also offer business English if you're a little bit more advanced or need English specifically for the job. Lingoda is a great way to learn the language. It's an online language school. They're actually based in Germany, in Berlin, so they have the German stamp of quality, but they still have very affordable prices. And I mean, this is just amazing because you can do it from home and they offer classes 24-7. So you're just very, very flexible with um, when you take your classes. It doesn't matter which time zone you're in. You can do it in your lunch break. You can do it after work. You can do it on the weekends whenever you're free. And I think one big, huge advantage with Lingoda right now, especially during uh, COVID and people working from home, like you said, it is so flexible. So maybe you don't have anything to do at work. For a bit, let's let's hop on a Lingoda course. Right. So they're running this really cool promotion right now to really help kickstart your language learning journey. It's called their Sprint. Their Super Sprint, which we talked about in our last episode, is actually sold out now. So that only the Sprint is available. And the way that it works is that you have to attend 15 classes a month for three months and you get 50% cash back of your tuition. Yeah, and this is a really, really great motivation because if you just invest three months, basically, you know, every other day or several times a week, learning a language, speaking a language, listening to the language, and the cool thing is also that all of the teachers at Lingoda are native speakers, mm-hmm. this is just you know, very, very efficient when it comes to language learning, because we both know this, immersing yourself in the language is one of the key factors, really. If you just, you know, do it once a week, it's going to take you a lot longer, not just longer time-wise, but it's going to take you a lot more hours. Definitely. Because you're just going to forget things again, and you're going to lose track, kind of. So this is a really great thing, and they say that after three months, you're going to be able to have a full conversation, even if you're a beginner at the language. And I totally can believe that as well, especially because the class sizes are so small. So even though you're not necessarily in the other country, and it's hard to get that immersion experience because of the class size being a maximum of five students, you really get a lot of personal interaction and chances to speak, which is so essential to when learning a language. Yeah, and so I attended a class before, and the teacher really tried to speak mostly the target language, of course, every now and then when there is a misunderstanding, they will use English, but it was mostly in the target language and all the students were very used to speaking German in this case because I attended a German class and you could just tell that they were all very professional. I mean, they do this, Mm -hmm. they offer so many classes every single day, they know what they're doing. So I can definitely recommend Lingoda if you want to learn a language right now, which I've been wanting to kind of... uh, Improve my language skills for I was going to say, which language are you, <laughs> would you be French? But I've been thinking that for like years and I've, <laughs> I've never, never done it. Um, but yeah. So the sprint starts April 28th and the last chance that you have to sign up is April 16th. So if you're interested, make sure you 
use our code. It's change one, one, two, um, and sign up for the sprint. Like I said, the super sprint is now sold out, but the sprint is still available. Yeah. And because of that, make sure that you're quick so that the sprint doesn't sell out before you get to sign up. Um, they do have a 49 euro, $59 deposit that you, you will have to pay. And with that code that Josh just said, change one, one, two, you will save 10 euros or $12 on that deposit. We will put the code and also the link where you can click on and sign up for in the description below in the video description on YouTube and also in the uh, episode description on the podcast platforms if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So make sure to check that out. And now back to the topic. Back to the topic. So what do we want to start with? Oh, that's German a culture good in the US. So maybe some background about Germans in the US. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think most people know that the U.S. is relatively German heavy. There was a huge wave of immigrant or multiple huge waves of immigration into the U.S. And we're not going to get into the specifics because neither Faley and I are really experts in the history of German Americans. And we don't have the numbers in front of us right now, so we don't want to tell you anything wrong. I did look up, though, and approximately there are approximately 44 million Americans with German ancestry in the U.S. as of 2018. And the population of the U.S. is like 330 million so that's a good portion. Yeah. So it's not hard to understand how the German culture may have impacted the American and how there may be there might be some leftovers, if you will, of the yeah. German culture and how they've changed in the U.S. over the years of being here. I actually think it's interesting that you say most people know that there is a heavy German influence in the U.S. because I feel like growing up in Germany mm -hmm. as like a kid and teenager, I wasn't really aware of that. I mean, I knew that like some Germans had gone to the US, but to me it was mostly, we never really thought about American history a whole lot. We never really learned about it in school. Yeah. I mean, we kind of know uh, around what time the United States were founded and we do know that people immigrated there from Europe, but I think in our minds, it's mostly just the British that went there. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Which and isn't true. It's not true at it's, all. It's not. I mean, the, I think the Dutch were here before the British. Yeah. Um, but... I think also you might be right that that might just be some tunnel vision for me, especially because the region of the U.S. that I'm from, Cincinnati is a very German-heavy yes. city, so we hear about that and we experience it. But yeah, you're, you're definitely right in the fact that I would say most people would think British before German when it comes to culture in the U.S. But I think it's interesting that in Germany we're not aware of that because mm. a lot of our ancestors, or I mean not our ancestors in that case, but like people that we used to be related to mm. um, immigrated to the U.S. and we don't really in a lot of cases, don't even know about that part of the family. Like, mm -hmm. we will know about the part of the family that stayed in Germany. Yeah. Um, but we don't really talk about that a lot. So that was really interesting for me coming to Cincinnati because mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is actually really cool that, like, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, um, Germans from Munich or other places in Germany came here and then brought part of their German culture to the U.S. and then kind of developed it from here and then mixed it with American yeah things and then it's like it became, a weird amalgamation yeah like, mi mixture like, of it all yeah this this new like german american culture yeah so i mean everyone knows of hot dogs and hamburgers i think i think those are probably well i don't know do you think most people think hot dogs are are, are german because I, I don't mean, i wouldn't say that i don't think i would think that in hamburgers i'm pretty sure that is not like i don't think people know for for a fact oh, like okay. i don't think that's clear like i said this is Gefährliches Halbwissen, <laughs> so we don't want to stick it in that. <laughs> so it's half knowledge. Because, um, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that um, for hamburgers, there's many, many different theories as okay. to how it was invented. And I think the reason behind the thinking is that 
Hamburger is like might Hamburg. come from Hamburg, which yeah. is a German city, and a Hamburger is also what you would call a citizen of the city of mm -hmm. Hamburg. Um, so I don't think that you can actually say that the hamburger is a German invention. I think the hot dog does have an origin in the Vienna. I don't know. That's what I would have think would have thought too. <laughs> but like I said, we don't want to get into the specifics of things that we don't know for sure. Yeah. Well, one thing that we do know for sure is, for for example, the Christmas tree. Yes, the uh, Tannenbaum. That tradition originated in Germany, 100%, and then it came over to the U.S., even though the Christmas pickle, which a lot of <laughs> Americans, especially Americans with uh, German heritage, do, like they hide the Christmas pickle, which is like a pickle-sized or pickle-shaped ornament. Yeah. We talked about it in the I Christmas episode. I was going to say, I think we talked about it. They hide it in the Christmas tree, and then the first kid to find it in the tree gets an extra present. That is not a tradition that we do in Germany, but the Christmas tree is a German tradition, mm -hmm. yes. And we do still mostly use real trees in Germany to this day. Yeah. So what else do we know for sure? We do know that German was spoken a lot in the Midwest especially. There was like a German triangle in the Midwest yeah. of Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Milwaukee, yes. where a lot of German immigrants went and German was really taught in schools and there were German language newspapers. Um, and all of that started to kind of change around World War One when there was more of um, of a hatred towards the actual quote unquote Germans, um, because obviously we were enemies, the Americans and the Germans yeah. in World War One. So people were for not forced, but speaking German was much less common. No, they were forced. They were even lynched. Wow. It was pretty yeah, bad. And you know that because of your yeah. work in, in a museum here in the area. Yeah, I also did my one of my projects mm -hmm. in my master's program on that topic. Um, but yeah, like there were many different areas, probably in St. Louis and in Milwaukee too. But in Cincinnati, for example, there was one specific neighborhood uh, called Over the Rhine, which they called Over the Rhine because of the... There was a canal and the German immigrants who settled there just called the canal Rhein, which yeah. is like a river in Germany. I don't know if it was just because they wanted to feel at home or yeah. because they weren't creative enough to come up with a new <laughs> name for water, um, but they called it Rhine. And then like the neighborhood that was on this side of the Rhine was called Over the Rhine. Mm -hmm. And in that neighborhood, um, there were other European immigrants there too, but it was mainly like a German enclave. So they really spoke mm -hmm. German with each other on the streets and the stores, like the stores had uh, German signs, the streets had German names. Yeah. The schools were not only like... It wasn't just schools that taught German. The schools were in German. Yeah. Some of them, not all mm -hmm. of them, of course. And then they had like, you know, German societies. They had German culture there in the form of beer gardens mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So that was very, very strong. And then there were a lot of breweries. Yeah. And they also brought, um, you know, different societies over there like Sängerbund, uh, like a mm -hmm. singing uh, society or like the Turners, which... It's kind of funny because like that's yeah that's what they were called in the yeah. U.S. But it really just is a gymnastics society mm -hmm. that was based on the German Turner, which Turner was their name, but it was also Turner just means a, gym, a gymnast. gymnast yeah. yeah, so it's kind of funny how that became its own like name in the U.S. because they didn't Turners. know how to pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. The Turners were like pretty, pretty influential in the U.S. Like That's in the interesting. I, I don't know that story very much. And they started out in Cincinnati, I think. I don't want to say anything wrong. I did the research on that two years ago. I yeah. didn't look it up again for today. I'm pretty sure they started out in Cincinnati and then basically became a thing in the entire United States. So it was a very big thing. But then two factors played a role. It was... Definitely World War One, as you mm -hmm. said, the anti-German hysteria. It started in uh, 1917 when mm -hmm. the U.S. joined World War One. Yeah. Um, 
And then also prohibition, because mm, a lot of yeah. the German places were connected to brewing beer and drinking, which, yes, is kind of like <laughs> a cliche. That is part of the German culture. That's definitely true. <laughs> yes, a lot of those places had to shut down or they tried to survive somehow by, you know, becoming a speakeasy or yeah. something. But most of them, you know, went bankrupt, basically, because they weren't allowed to sell beer anymore. Um, and that was the start of, you know, people... A lot of people changed their last names, their German last mm -hmm. names that they were proud of before. But at that point, they either like weren't proud of it anymore because of the association with Germany in World War One, or they were forced to change it because they were actually discriminated mm -hmm. and lynched. As I just said, like some bad pretty things. Pretty crazy. Happened I didn't. There. I didn't know about the lynchings. Like what I was thinking, like I know there's a street in over the Rhine. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the German name. I think it was like Schillerstrasse mm -hmm. or something. And now it's Republic Street. Mm -hmm. And they changed the name during World War One to make it less German. Yeah. So they changed, I think, almost all of the street names down there in the yeah. Cincinnati neighborhood. I'm sure they did it in other cities too, probably yeah. in the U.S. Here in Cincinnati, um, I think three or four years ago, they went back to the German street names for some of these streets mm -hmm. to kind of preserve the German heritage of the neighborhood, which is pretty cool yeah um like you can see like two signs like the the actual street name which is still i think republic street and then you can see the old name yeah on top there was an essen essenstrasse oh, really? too that's by finley market okay um yeah what else is there i think bremen as well like mostly like city names yeah, and, there, and there are lots <laughs> i mean there are some street names that weren't changed at all like there's yeah. a goethe street right um, yeah, it's just funny to drive around and see all of the German names, especially in that neighborhood. Yeah, so that's definitely an interesting part of history. Of course, there is much, much more to read about um, in regards of this, you know, anti-German hysteria and, you know, all the German culture that they brought over at the time. Mm -hmm. As we said, we don't want to promote any gefährliches Halbwissen. <laughs> Dangerous half-knowledge. <laughs> so um, let's move on to things that are here today. today. Do we want to start with like what we have here in Cincinnati, maybe? Yeah, I think, and this is probably something that obviously is a disclaimer that we should make. We live in Cincinnati or I'm from Cincinnati and a lot of this will be Cincinnati specific because that's our experience. Um, a lot of these things you probably won't find in other communities in the U.S. Um, I think in German, more German areas, you'll find a lot of these things. But just because we say this exists in Cincinnati doesn't mean that it's a common thing in the, in the, throughout the U.S. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe we should start with some of the smaller things and work our way towards the big one. Okay, what's a small thing? Um, a small thing. Maybe Geta. That's a very Cincinnati okay. thing. Yes. So Geta is a food that's very typical Cincinnati, but a lot of people here think it's typical German. Yeah. But essentially it's pork mixed with oats. And you fry it. It's like a breakfast food. But it's like it's like grounded, right? Yeah, it's ground pork mixed with oats, and you buy it like a sausage, pretty much, like in a roll, like a like an American like sausage. Not mm -hmm. you wouldn't buy a German sausage that way. But then you and then you can slice it and you fry it in a pan normally. Okay, but so it's kind of like a um, Fleischpflanzal or Frikadelle, like consistency wise, or have you say? never had it? No, I've. Uh, oh, yeah, true. No. Have you ever had it? I know you're a vegetarian. <laughs> I've never had it. No, I mean um, I've had a flesh plant before in my life, but mm -mm. no, it's not like that. Not okay. No, it's more. It's thinner. Okay. It's like a really thin. No, patty. I was thinking like the consistency of it though. Is it? It's kind of like. It's more grainy. Okay. Yeah, you can really tell that there's oats in it. Okay, so basically the story behind this is that German. I mean, this is 
you know, I don't know if this is 100% true, but this is what people say is that German immigrants came to Cincinnati and especially those who lived in places like over the Rhine, they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they just came to a whole new country. They had to leave everything behind, basically. One of the reasons that they left Germany was the political stuff that was going mm-hmm. on during that time, revolution and everything. Um, and they would come to over the Rhine and live in a two-bedroom apartment with eight people yeah. or more more people. Slum like, conditions. Yeah, it was, it was not great. And so they had to make sure that they survived. So whenever they did have meat, they tried to basically stretch it, yeah. make it more by adding things like oats to it. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people, as you said, say that this is really a Cincinnati invention, which I think is true to a certain extent. But apparently there really is a German origin to this, oh, okay. which a lot of people think is not true. But um, there's this food historian here in Cincinnati, uh, Dan Wellard, and he has researched this. And he told me that there is a, a town or a region in, I think, Nordrhein-Westfalen mm-hmm. or Rheinland-Pfalz, but I think it was Nordrhein-Westfalen, um, where they had a dish called Grützwurst, which okay. sounds... Not delicious no. at all. <laughs> um, but apparently that's what it was based on. Interesting. Allegedly. But who knows? I mean, maybe it was also just a coincidence. Yeah. They came up with a very similar recipe. But um, just trusting his research, there is an actual German uh, origin, but probably only the people from that specific town or wherever mm-hmm. it comes from would know about it. It's not like you can go to Germany and ask for Geta. Yeah. Nobody will know what well, that is. Well, first of all, so I was going to say it's spelled G-O-E-T-T-A, mm-hmm. which a German would not pronounce as Geta. No. Um, we would maybe say Geta. Yeah. Yeah. Because like O-E could be the replacement the, uh, for the Ö-Umlaut. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Yeah, that's a it's a good example of things where at least in Cincinnati people see Geta and they're like, oh, it's German. You know, you know Geta, right? Yeah, You're German. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, no, I have no clue what you're talking or about. Or they'll even ask you like, hey, so how authentic is the ghetto? And yeah. you're like, um, it's not a German thing. <laughs> so maybe moving on to another example, um, Stammtisch. Mm-hmm. So that we actually met at a Stammtisch yeah. here in Cincinnati. Um, Stammtisch, I like the word Stammtisch mm-hmm. because it comes from Stamm, like a, a tree, right? Like a mm-hmm. trunk of a tree and a tisch. I don't know why. It makes sense in German because... I don't think it comes from that. Oh, I think of like a Stammkunde. Yeah, that's what I'm... But I, I wonder what, what does Stamm have to do with it? I guess it supports the I business. Mean, I guess so, yeah. Probably. Like a tree, there is like some a trunk supports there. a tree, yeah. a Stammkunde or a, a, a trunk customer. Yeah, it's just regular. not as literal as you just yeah. tried to explain it. <laughs> I in, don't my, like... in my brain, it made sense. <laughs> it's not like we're sitting at a table made out of trunks or something like that. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so Stammtisch is a pretty common German thing, I would say that. Yeah, maybe, I, maybe in older generations, but I know a couple of people in our generation that go to uh, a Stammtisch. It is a thing. I'm like trying to think whether it's a German thing in general or a more Southern German mm. thing. I'm not 100% sure about that one, actually. Yeah, so Probably let us know in the comments yeah. and uh, send us an email to let us know if, you, if you're from other parts of Germany rather than the South, if like a Stammtisch yeah, is something Yeah, because in Bavaria, that's definitely a thing. And like Stammtisch is definitely more of a abstract word, so it can be used for a meeting that always meets at the same time at the same place mm-hmm. but it can also be used for like that group of people kind of so it's there's yeah, different yeah. meanings to uh-huh. it in a way it kind of depends on what kind of stammtisch you go to because mm-hmm. um, like for some people it's just you know their regular group of friends and they always meet at, on mondays yeah. in this one bar but they might meet somewhere else and then still call it their stammtisch yeah. if that makes sense but it might also be something like what we have here in cincinnati mm-hmm. 
where it's just a specific time and place and the people who go there change though. Exactly. So like, for example, the one that we went to in Cincinnati with COVID and everything, it's more difficult and I don't live here anymore, <laughs> um, but it's called Cincy Deutsch and they meet to speak German. So they meet every week at the same bar. Normally there's like the same waiter who takes care of the group um, and you get to know each other and you just have like this thing in common. So in this case, learning German. Um, and it's a really cool community building thing yeah. that I've, I've, I really enjoyed going it's to. It's kind of like a regular meeting mm -hmm. if you would want to translate it. Yeah, it's it, kind of like a club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that top or that concept until I started learning German, like the concept yeah, of a regular's table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like in a lot of cases, at least in Bavaria, um, a Stammtisch will have some kind of sign, mm -hmm. like a little wooden sign that they put in the middle of the table that like basically marks this as their Stammtisch table is their stumptish tish, mm -hmm. their stumptish spot, um, and they will take that thing with them. Yeah. As, yeah, kind of like a club mm -hmm. logo, I guess. Another thing in Cincinnati, at least, that I think of as far as like stumptish is concerned is there's a, a thing called the Germania Society here, and they have a mustard club, which is part of the Germania Society. And oh, is it part of that? I, be I believe I so. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And the mustard club meets once a month to have Weißwurstfrühstück. Yeah. Which is like I a white sausage I think actually twice a month. Twice I think a month? it's every other Saturday. Yeah, we and, went a couple mm -hmm. times. Yeah. That was interesting. It's That's like also funny because they, they do bring some of the authentic Bavarian traditions in there. Like they just meet up at this restaurant and they do provide real Weisswürste from and Bavaria. And, and they have Hindelmeyer Senf. It's actually the Hindelmeyer Mustard Club. Yeah. They're sponsored by uh -huh. that uh, mustard brand, brand. Um, but then like the way that they serve the food is just very different and very unauthentic yeah I think when we went to like they were tiny little mini sausages too oh really at least I don't that, even that's my that. recollection maybe but it's just like the way that they serve it at like I think it was definitely paper plates or something mm -hmm. like disposable plates with yep. plastic silverware with no we do not do that in Germany especially not for you know sausages mm -hmm. um, and then they had the mustard and tubes which is a thing in Germany that we have yeah. mustard in tubes. We talked about it in the Jungle Gym mm -hmm. vlog that we did on my channel. Um, but it's usually not a thing for the sweet mustard. So the Hindelmeyer mustard is the sweet mustard, which isn't really a thing in the U.S. Americans no. probably don't know what we're talking about. It's like dark brown. And yeah, it it's is delicious. It is sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's very good. Um but yeah, so it those things comes are in jars. It usually yeah. comes in a jar. And those things are funny. Even for me, like I'm not a person that eats white sausages a lot. Um, I do disclaimer, I do eat them sometimes. I can eat like half a sausage to a full sausage, <laughs> which is not a lot. But because the reason I'm vegetarian is that I don't really like meat. Mm -hmm. But when I'm really hungry, I can kind of suppress my um What's Abneigung? <laughs> my disgust. <laughs> um, I guess my taste preferences, as long as I don't think of where the meat comes from. Mm -hmm. um, so I have eaten white sausages before, and I do eat maybe like one sausage once a year or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But like that's a that's another thing that they had at the um, at this white white sausage breakfast was pretzels, right? Right. And I think pretzels is another great example. Yes. People think, like, you see everywhere in the U.S., like, Bavarian pretzels, Bavarian pretzels. And it's really just, like, a soft pretzel, mm -hmm. which I thought, okay, that's a Bavarian pretzel. And then I went to Bavaria, <laughs> and that's not a pretzel. It's very different. I mean, pretzels did come to the U.S. 
through Germany. Mm -hmm. Like they were brought over, but then they were like adjusted to American taste preferences, yep. which a lot of the bread taste preferences in the US, I would argue, were heavily influenced by the British people because the British bread and the American bread is just very, very similar. Yeah, like, I've never had British bread. So yeah, they, really they know, but... eat it the same way. Like, it's all squishy and doesn't yeah. taste like anything. Yeah, so that's the thing um, about the, the pretzels. They're really squishy They're really here. soft. They were kind of, like, adjusted to the taste preferences here. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, they're sold without salt, which mm -hmm. I think, like, you know what I mean? Like, in a lot of cases, they're just naked. Yeah. If you want to say it like that. <laughs> um, which in Germany, they always come with salt on them. Yeah. And then they're usually salt with, in, like, a mall or an amusement park. They're usually sold with nacho cheese, yeah. Yep. With nacho cheese. Which, or if you're, like, in a German restaurant, they give quote, you... Quote, unquote. <laughs> yeah, quote, unquote, German restaurant. They give you beer cheese. Which sounds super German, right? Yeah. The doesn't exist cheese. though. Hell yeah. <laughs> doesn't exist in Germany. At least I've never nope. seen it. Nope. But honestly, I mean, I kind of like it it's in some delicious. places. The, yeah, they, they all make it different, I feel like. I don't know if there's like a beer cheese brand, the, the restaurant's like mm -hmm. a supplier. I think they all make it themselves or like they have a different recipe. Some of these places make a really, really good one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but it's not a thing that we do to dip our pretzels in that. I also think that a lot of Americans ask me if we dip pretzels in mustard. Hmm. Which I have, I always say that, like, not really, yeah. not in regular mustard mm -hmm. at all. If anything, if we eat it together with a Weisswurst. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. And you have leftover mustard, you might use your pretzel to soak up the yeah. mustard. But if you just get a pretzel, you're not going to get a dip of mustard no. with it. No. <laughs> no. You'll, you'll get a pretzel in and of itself or, like, a butter pretzel right. where they'll slice it and, like lengthwise and put butter on it and then yes. you eat it like a sandwich exactly or with butter and chives mm -hmm. or with uh, gratinated cheese on top mm -hmm. those are really like the four different versions like plain butter butter and chives or cheese i would say yeah. that's really all you can get in in bavaria at least in germany in the u.s however they like to make really funny pretzels where <laughs> oh, they yeah. bake all kinds of stuff in there like i don't know dried tomato basil mm -hmm. but it's not on top of it, it's baked into the dough. Yeah. Um, or what else? They have, I mean, a lot of sweet pretzels, like cinnamon mm -hmm. pretzels. Yeah, there's like a, there's a restaurant, or not a restaurant. Yeah, I guess it's a restaurant. There's like a chain in most malls. It's called Annie Ann's mm. Pretzels. It, they're okay. <laughs> you were like, oh, I don't even know what to say about <laughs> I think this. I, I think growing up, I loved them. And then I became Germanized. I'm yeah. like, this is just a little much. Yeah, the funny thing is I do like American-style pretzels sometimes. It's just not the same. Like, you yeah. just need to expect something else. They also have a different color usually. And I think this has two different reasons. I think one of the reasons is that the, the cover, like what they put on top of the pretzel before they bake it is different. In Germany, they it's put... it's called a baste. Yeah. In Germany, they put baste. I think that's what it's called. Okay. In Germany, they put lye on it. Mm, um, yeah. Lauge, which... From what I've heard, isn't really allowed in the U.S. or it's okay. not common, one of the yeah. two, but I don't think it's actually allowed. So they put something else on there in the U.S. And I think this is also one of the reasons why the pretzels are a lot mm. lighter. Like that the color is more of a light brown slash orangey almost. Yeah. Whereas in Germany, they're usually a lot darker. Mm -hmm. And then also they're probably baked longer in yeah. Germany. So that's pretzels for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> um. I feel like this episode is pretty Cincinnati specific, but it's it makes sense because there are so many things mm. that are in both uh, that are supposed to be German, but in Cincinnati. Um, another thing, like I thought was super random, and growing up here, I didn't know existed. But there's a church in downtown Cincinnati mm. that has a mass in German every week. 
That's actually a really cool thing because that is something that is trying to keep the real German community alive. Because mm -hmm. like for those things like Stammtisch, there's usually, you know, actual Germans. And I'm saying that in a way where I just mean, you know, people whose families are German, people who yeah. learn German from their grandma and parents. Yeah. Um, but there's also usually a lot of people who are just trying to learn the language. Mm -hmm. But at the church service, I feel like there's mostly, you know, real Germans because they decide to go to a German mass yeah. where the German is very challenging because <laughs> it's like Bible yeah. German. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and also like it's it's people who are Catholic, I mm -hmm. guess. I'm, I'm assuming there's also people there who only go there for the community because I went there before. Yeah. Well, you went yeah, there we, with yeah, me. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I don't even think that all of these people there were very religious. Mm -mm. Um, but they, went, they go for the German community aspect yeah. of it. But that so, yeah. was really cool. Yeah, that's that's like one of those weird things, like I said, that I didn't know growing up in Cincinnati. Yeah. But when I found that out, I was like, that's so random, but cool. Yeah, they do it every weekend. It, there were actually a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. If you consider that the whole thing is in German and it's Catholic, too. Like, yeah. how many Catholics do you even find anymore in in Cincinnati? It's not the most At least common. Not, especially not downtown. Mm -hmm. I would say, like, out in the suburbs, it's... I, I know a lot more Catholics, mm -hmm. but like that's the thing is the church is in downtown city. It's in the heart of that over over the Rhine neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a random, funny, cool thing that Cincinnati has. But there's definitely things that Cincinnati has that other places have too. I mean, the mm -hmm. pretzels are definitely nationwide. Yeah. Um, and so are things like Oktoberfest, yes. which, yes, Cincinnati does have a Oktoberfest. And I still struggle saying that because when I first came here and people said, oh, yeah, we have an Oktoberfest. I was like... And Oktoberfest. What do you mean? It's not. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's, it's like a chain. It's one thing. You can't have A. It's like, yeah, we also, I also have a Josh at home. Yeah. You know, there's just, there's just one of these. Yeah. Um, and like, I always thought they should rather say an Oktoberfest version or yeah. an Oktoberfest, I don't even know, copy, I guess, uh -huh. or, you know. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, that's the thing is like. In the U.S., there are multiple Oktoberfests. I think Las Vegas has a big one. If I'm a lot of places do. I think Chicago has one yeah. too. Um, I think more cities than we realize have an Oktoberfest, and Cincinnati claims to have the largest one in the United States. The Cincinnati also sometimes claims to have the second largest in the world. Yeah, which. I don't think it's true. I don't think so either. I know there's a huge one in Brazil too. Yeah, and there's also a huge one somewhere in Asia. I don't remember the country right now. And there's a huge one in Canada, I believe in Mont no, Toronto. There's one somewhere <laughs> close to the American border. <laughs> and it's and it's really big one. I think that one might be the third biggest one after, I think, Brazil, because I think okay. Brazil is the second largest one. So Cincinnati has a lot of competition when it comes to the size of its Oktoberfest. But what was your impression, Faley, of our Oktoberfest? Because so Octo weird. the Oktoberfest <laughs> is from Munich, right? And yeah. it's completely different. I grew up with it. So, I mean, it's kind of like its own, it's like a town festival. I mean, mm. that's how it started out. And the thing is, in Germany, we or in southern Germany, in Bavaria and also Baden-Württemberg, um, it's a traditional thing that we have different kind of beer festivals mm -hmm. for different occasions. Like for May, May festivals are a thing. Yep. And there's spring festivals. And then in the summer, there's a lot of festivals, different occasions. And then it usually goes in, up into the, the fall, which is kind of like Oktoberfest is one of the last ones taking mm -hmm. place in Germany. And that's when the Volksfest saison, so like the 
uh, traditional festival season is over. Mm -hmm. And Oktoberfest just happens to be one of them, yeah. technically. It's just one of those festivals. There's a lot of other very similar festivals. Mm -hmm. Even in the Munich area. In the Munich area, in, you know, neighbor neighboring cities like Rosenheim. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so weird that people try to copy that specific festival, but then it's nothing like it. Yeah. So basically, what I would... How I would explain it to other Germans is that these cities here in the U.S. just take the name Oktoberfest because it's so famous in the yeah. world and use it to host a Germany-themed or Bavaria-themed street, street festival. festival. In most cases, it's a street festival, right? Yeah. We even have several Oktoberfests here in Cincinnati. When yeah, we talk right. about Oktoberfest, we talk about the big one by the banks, which mm -hmm. is like... There's one in downtown Cincinnati, yeah, which, which we is normally like a, refer to. a street festival. So like they kind of close down all the streets down there. They mm -hmm. have a lot of booths and stuff like that. But then some of the German societies that we have here in Cincinnati also host their own yeah. Oktoberfest, yeah, yeah. which is usually, I think, different because it's hosted on their property. Mm -hmm. so, so it's, it's not I would a street almost say, festival. Yeah, it's not a street festival. If anything, I hesitate to say it's more authentic. Yeah. Because it's still not super, it's still not <laughs> particularly authentic, but because it's on its own property, it's, yeah. it, 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 you have a bigger drinking tent. Yeah. Um, that's the thing about like the street festival, like the Oktoberfest in Cincinnati that people mostly refer to, is it's a street festival where you have booths that line the streets, and in the Oktoberfest in, in Munich, you have these huge, I think it's hilarious that they call them tents because <laughs> they're, they're buildings. Yeah. They're just these drinking halls with yeah. so many tables. And then there's a band that plays music in the front. Um, it's very, very different than yeah. what... I mean, we have booths at Oktoberfest yeah. too, but first of all, it's its own designated space and it's a huge space, but it's more like a state fair and it yeah. also goes on for 16 days straight. Mm -hmm. It's this whole huge thing that takes place in Munich. It's not a street festival, which we do have street festivals in Germany. Yeah. And that's what I would compare the Cincinnati Oktoberfest to. And I would assume that some of the Oktoberfests in other cities in the U.S. are probably like that too. And then you like go from booth to booth and you will find some real German breweries mm -hmm. like Paulana will have a booth yep. and Warsteiner. And uh, was there a Bavarian one there? I don't think so. I don't even know. Oh, I think they had Weinstefana, mm -hmm. um, which is Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. is, Weinstefana is funny because it's not even that popular yeah. in Germany. Um, it's from close to Munich. It's from Freising. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, for some reason, very popular in the States. They seem yeah, to do some good really export. good... Yeah, some really good export and probably good marketing, too. Um, yeah, and then you, you can get that beer there. So that is real. But you'll get it. You'll, you'll have to line up and you'll get it in a plastic mug. And you'll keep walking with yeah, it. Yeah, you that... get a plastic mug <laughs> yeah. and there's no there's no fund on it. <laughs> there's no, no deposit, deposit, which yeah. is really common at like street festivals in, in Germany. Yeah. And then, I mean, you can buy your food at the booths and there mm -hmm. might be like um, a band playing somewhere on an, an open air stage. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a couple like very small tents. Mm -hmm. It's more like they have a roof. Yeah, over. it's an actual tent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you call um, those things? Kind of, I, I don't I would call it a tent, but it's not like a tent that you sleep in. Mm -hmm. It's more like a, just a covering. Okay. I didn't know if there was like a name for that. There probably is. I just don't know it. Or <laughs> I've forgotten it. we call it like pavilion. I was going to say pavilion, but I think that's the German because yeah. it's not a pavilion. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so basically that Oktoberfest in Cincinnati is fun to me if you know what you're getting into. It's yeah. fun if you know that you are going to go to a Germany-themed street festival. One thing that's really funny, though, is they import German bands. So I, I there's a band, I think, from the Allgäu mm -hmm. that comes over and plays, like, 
brass music, like typical Bavarian music, at the German or at the Cincinnati Oktoberfest. They might think like, where did we end up here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but some of the other things that like are supposedly German, but they do at the Cincinnati Oktoberfest, the running of the Wiener Dogs. Oh yeah. Where so they, Dackelrennen, they, yeah. and I don't know if everyone does this or if only some people do that, but they dress their wiener dogs up as hot dogs. Yeah. So they basically put a <laughs> bun, like hot dog bun costume around their dog. Typical German, Which right? is just, oh my God, every German is probably <laughs> shaking their heads right now. Like, no, no, well, no. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, we'll have to put a picture yeah. of that in there. Um, another thing that they do is the chicken dance. That's the Cincinnati Oktoberfest's claim to fame is that they have the largest chicken dance. I think that's actually true. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they just uh, have all these people gather this one day, I think the first day. Mm -hmm. This Oktoberfest only lasts for one weekend. So I think yeah. on Friday is when it is that they gather everyone who wants to participate in the world's largest or, you know, Americans' largest chicken dance. And a lot of people do dress up as chickens. Or, or they wear chicken hats. Exactly. <laughs> they wear a chicken hat and then they dance the chicken dance, which in German is Ententanz. In German it's yeah. actually called the duck dance. But um, no, this isn't even a German thing, really. Fremdschämen um, to yep. the max. This has a very <laughs> different origin. I think it was written or it was taken over. I've talked about this in my Oktoberfest video. I can't remember right now, but uh, I think a music teacher kind of came up with it pretty recently. Like it's not an old, old German yeah. tradition, you know? And I think the melody originates in France and the only occasion where Germans dance the chicken dance is when we're kids and we're at like a kid's party yeah. and they want to, you know, have the kids dance in an easy choreography that everyone yeah. can remember. And I used to do it on vacation when we went to like vacation resorts in, I don't know, Italy or Spain. Mm -hmm. And um, those vacation resorts where you have uh, kids daycare. Activities. Yeah, like daycare. And then like at night we had like a kid's disco mm -hmm. and we would dance at, at the disco. <laughs> you dance the chicken dance at the <laughs> <Yes>. disco. <laughs> um, and that's it though. Yeah. We do not dance that at Oktoberfest ever. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. So, I mean, all of these things kind of have an impact on how Americans like you, Josh, before mm -hmm. you started learning German and learned about the German culture, view the German culture or the Bavarian culture. And um, some other important things for that, I think, are German language programs at yeah. schools, high schools. The way I learned German. Exactly. Colleges. Um, I mean, there are a lot of German language programs at high schools here in Cincinnati. And I would assume it's the same throughout the other German heavy regions here. Mm -hmm. But um, I also know that there are a lot of cities and places in the U.S. where the high schools don't even offer German at yeah. all. But in those places where they do, the teachers really have a pretty big responsibility mm -hmm. as to how they convey the German culture. Yeah. Um, I know that you were lucky with it because... I got a I had a native German as my, as my teacher, but that's normally not the case. Yeah. One thing I think is really funny, and I think Germans will find this funny as well, like... The way that you refer to your teacher in German classes in the U.S. is normally just Herr or Frau is what they'll say. So weird. So like for the longest time I called my teacher, like I would just be like, hey, Frau, I have a question. Wait, you did it with Frau König too? Well, yeah, before I knew that that was really like, oh, that was me saying, hey, woman. Yeah. That's... That was back when I would say Frau, not Frau. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, so the thing is a lot of American teachers tell their students to call them that. Yeah, they embrace it. Yeah, and that, that's just weird because, like, especially here in Cincinnati, or I think it, it's mainly a Midwestern thing, but I've heard that it's also a thing in other places in the U.S. and also in other countries all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like, I've heard from people from South America that they do that there, too, in German class. Okay. Um, and 
yeah, they just they just refer to their teacher like even when they talk about them like oh yeah I had a really great teacher in German class back in the day yeah. Frau was amazing like as yeah. if that is her name uh-huh. no <laughs> you would you would never do that in German it would be no. like Frau König Frau I don't know Herr, right. you say their last name it's yeah, like so Mr. or Mrs. basically yeah but the yeah so Frau means Miss or Mrs. or woman, woman, one of the two. But the thing is, in German, you just can't use it by itself as you could in French when you approach someone as Madame or Monsieur mm-hmm. or Sir in um, in English. Or you could approach someone as Miss, I yeah. guess, in English. But that doesn't work in German. No, you're so, right. I, haven't, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, you're totally I think that's right. why people think that that works, but uh-huh. it doesn't. And... Um, yeah so <laughs> yeah so that was that, that's just a goofy thing about like german language classes in yeah. the u.s and then i mean a lot of them teach very strong american accents and then so learning the wie man deutsch spricht spricht Your, yours wasn't even that strong no <laughs> you tried your hardest um <laughs> and you know they do tell people about german culture but in mm-hmm. a lot of cases from what i've heard um in a lot of cases they really teach more stereotypical german culture which yeah. m- isn't even always true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they might even teach their kids like, hey, in Germany at the Oktoberfest, they dance the chicken dance. Yeah, I, I know like people who do the chicken dance in German class. Right. So the they definitely have a pretty big influence on how people here in the U.S. view the German culture because that's what they grow up yeah, with. Yeah, they're also kind of responsible for perpetuating those German stereotypes that yeah. aren't necessarily true. Another small thing is that there's a thing called the German-American Day, which like all these different German societies all over the U.S. celebrate together, um, also usually in cooperation with the German embassy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of those festivals that take place for the German-American Day are also heavily influenced by stereotypes. And yeah. it'll be people dressing up in either... Tracht, so like Lederhosen and Dirndl, yeah. which in some cases aren't the most authentic, but in some cases they are, they yeah. are authentic. Or we've even, I think, seen people dress up in like old-fashioned German like uniforms from like back in the day. Do you remember at Finley Market that one time, like people were wearing like from like the German Empire. Oh, really? They were wearing some kind really? of... Really? Like, yeah. I, like, I don't remember seeing that, but I just, I, I do, it's always funny, like when we would go to Oktoberfest or like other festivals in our Tracht mm-hmm. and then you look at what other people were wearing you're like it's just funny it's it's not like uh looking down on them it's just like I mean a lot of them basically wear a, a Halloween or yeah. carnival it's costume. more like a costume as opposed to yeah which in a lot of cases isn't it's like supposed to be the German girl quote unquote yeah. but it'll have this really really big cleavage which the German dresses do have that yeah, too yeah. but it's like Maybe you know what I mean. It's kind of like the satin. It's even more exact, exaggerated. Mm-hmm. This like satin material. Anyway, so there are funny things that you'll see at yeah. those uh, celebrations. Sometimes they do authentic things, but not always. So all of that definitely has a pretty big influence. And I think the last thing that we were going to mention for this episode is like a Christmas market, mm-hmm. right? So Christmas markets are a huge thing in Germany and Unfortunately, I haven't really gotten to experience them in their full glory right? because I've always been in the U.S. for the Christmas time. So I've experienced like the end of it once and then just the beginning of a couple of the -hmm. Christmas markets, but nothing like full fledged. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've seen pictures and I've seen videos and Glühwein is great. So (laughs) so Moldwein is great. And I can imagine like 
how awesome that would really be to experience. And that's one thing that I like that we have here in Cincinnati. And in the last few years, it started to die down some. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little difficult, um, but it'll be interesting to see if it can push through. But yeah, I know in Chicago, they have a huge Christmas market. Yeah. Have you been there? No. <laughs> I'm just saying yes. No. Um, no, I've heard about that. And like, I know that people talk about that one being like the best yeah. in the U.S. Um, I haven't I haven't visited it. Neither have I. Maybe I will in the future if it's ever possible to do stuff again socially. <laughs> Probably not. Um, that would be awesome to go there. But basically, a Christmas market in Germany is, it can look very, very different depending on where you go. Mm-hmm. In Munich, we have like at least 20 usually 20 or 30 yeah. even I don't want to say anything wrong but we have a lot it's kind of like every neighborhood has their own because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a place to gather and they they will just set up different booths with selling you know mold wine glühwein they will sell food like a lot of sausages and stuff mm-hmm. like that a lot of you know pancake like kind of dishes like kaiserschmann or yeah. crepes or something like that um, roasted almonds and then sometimes they will have booths where they sell ornaments or mm-hmm. other like crafts or yeah. homemade not homemade, but like art, artisanal yeah. gifts that you can buy. Yeah. And then like in Cincinnati, they do have a couple of those, mm-hmm. which, you know, they, they try and make it authentic. And that's yeah. actually really nice to just, you know, go there, be outside, drink a hot wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tricky to do it in the U.S. because you probably have to get a lot more permits to be able to do it. To drink alcohol yeah, in public alcohol. is what you're trying to say. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, and the glue vine, <laughs> I feel like adds to, not that you have to drink to enjoy a Christmas market, but it definitely adds to the atmosphere and the For charm. For sure. Yes. But yeah, I mean, generally, I think those were the main things that came to mind when we thought about what is the German culture in the U.S.? Yeah, I mean, let's say like for the Christkindle markets, the Christkindle, the Christkindle markets, I don't even know, Christmas markets. Yeah. Um, I think that's how it is with a lot of these things. Like they try and they mm-hmm. try and make it look authentic in some cases, like the Fountain Square one. Yeah. Usually, I think that looked kind of authentic. Small, but authentic. But it's still not authentic because a lot of the stuff is just different and people act very differently. Mm-hmm. So... That's the same with these like Stammtisch or Oktoberfest celebrations. Even if people really try and make it authentic, the way that people behave is just going to be different. At the end of the day, you're not in Germany. Yeah, the circumstances are just different. So it's just obviously never the same. But to me, I have to say, though, even though it's not 100% authentic, I do enjoy going to a Stammtisch. I do Mm -hmm. enjoy eating a soft pretzel that's at least trying to be Mm -hmm. as Bavarian as possible. I do enjoy going to a Christkindlmarkt if I'm not home for Christmas, you know? Like, it's better than nothing. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, no, and I totally would relate to that. And for me, it the times when I'd be back in the U.S. after spending time in Germany, it was kind of what would help me bridge my time right. until I got to go back. Yeah, and so also there... for us, it was always an occasion to meet up with our German-speaking mm-hmm. friends, and then, you know, we would create our own little Germany. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and, like, the cool thing is it pulls a lot of the German expats into the community as well, so then you get to know the other Germans throughout the city. Right. Um, so it's definitely something that's cool. Even though it's not the same, it's something that's really cool in that I learned to value um, during my time here. Yeah, Well, I I think we will probably have to talk about American culture in Germany at some point then. Yeah, Yeah, no, for sure. The thing is, American culture is obviously present in Germany, but in a completely different way as opposed to like these enclave communities that Mm -hmm. there were in the U.S., people coming from the motherland and trying to maintain traditions. Right. We don't have a lot of like old American traditions, but at the same time, there aren't as many old American traditions because (laughs) it's a pretty new country. Um, But I mean, we did have American uh, occupation in 
parts of Germany for a while there and a lot of Germans are kind of, I don't want to say obsessed, but really enjoy American mm -hmm. culture in a way and I do know that there are a lot of restaurants that have opened up in the past, I want to say like five to ten years, like American diners, mm -hmm. um, burger places. I was, gonna, I was just going to say burgers and we yeah. should save some of these topics for yes. the episode that we do, <laughs> but Germans are obsessed with hamburgers, <laughs> like cheeseburgers making the perfect burger. Yeah. Um, so we will, and steakhouses and yeah. stuff like that too. So we will talk about that in future at some point. <laughs> but that was it for today, I think. Yeah. A uh, shorter episode, which is honestly nice for us. It's a change. And yeah. hopefully it's nice for you guys to listen to a shorter episode too, which our short episodes are still pretty long. Yeah, it's, it's not a half hour episode, but <laughs> no. still not our typical hour and a half. So we really hope that you guys enjoyed uh, hearing from us and seeing us together again uh, in person <laughs> if you're watching on, on YouTube. Um, but yeah, we hope that you enjoyed this week, week's episode. We hope that um, you all are doing well and staying safe um, during getting all of this vaccinated. craziness. Getting vaccinated. I just if you got have the my opportunity. vaccine. I'm, I'm super lucky one. that I'm going to get my vaccine before I head back to Germany and I'm getting the Johnson & Johnson. So one and done. Yeah, one dose. I just got the first Pfizer one a couple days ago and I'm going to get the next one in two and a half weeks. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I there was no chance that any of us would get it in Germany anytime no. soon. Like even no. older people and high risk people still have to wait there, which is sad. We talked about it yeah. last time, but anyway, um, yeah. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to reach out to us and support us, there are a couple of different ways that you can do that. We have an email, like you guys know, that's set up. It's understanding at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at understanding train station. Another way that you guys can reach out slash support us if you want to support us monetarily with our project that we're doing here, we have a Patreon set up. It's patreon.com slash understanding train station. Correct. Monetarily, that's a very smart word. Monetarily. What did <laughs> I, I like say? that. Did I say monetarily support us? Yeah, support, support us, us monetarily. monetarily. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that sounds very sophisticated. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the other way that you can support us monetarily <laughs> is on Buy Me a Coffee. It's buymeacoffee.com slash UTS podcast. I feel like people are going to say that monetarily isn't a word now. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. Let's just make it a word if it's not. But I think it's just a very, it's a big word. Yes, <laughs> It's it a big is. word. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, guys. Yeah, we're going to be back next Thursday. Stay safe and healthy one more time. Yep. And cheers. Servus.